This city is all about sharing memories of wonderful London and that's why I'm even more excited to be working with one of my most favourite brands for this series. When I tell you that Instax are the instant photo people and their cameras and smartphone printers are super easy to use, I mean it. They are perfect because we all know that the best memories need to be captured in the moment. And I'm definitely talking from experience here because I've had an Instax camera for years and everyone who comes to visit my home, there's a rule. You must take an Instax photo and stick it in my guest book. It is one of my all time favorite things. Life is meant to be shared and I love, love, love that I've captured those moments with my friends and family forever. So whether you want to keep and treasure your pics like I do, give them away to loved ones to reminisce on a special time or one better, gift an Instax camera or printer, you can find out more at instax.co.uk. Hello, I'm Clara Ampho and welcome back to This City, the podcast where we talk to famed inhabitants of wonderful London. Each episode will delve into the past favourite places, the current favourite places, the dance spots, the food spots, the night bus stories, stories of school where we fell in love from some of our favourite famous faces, whether they were born here or adopted our capital. Dear listener, time for a new episode of This City and surprise, your girl's delighted because on this episode, I've got somebody who at their heart is just a peak, peak creator. Um, They see the beauty and joy in everything and they've been able to turn that into a profession. They are a fellow Ghanaian. They are a proud Londoner. Uh, They are now a published author. Their book, A Visible Man, is available in all good stores now. And they just so happen to be the editor of the iconic British Vogue magazine, uh, but at the base of it also, they're just my friend. Uh, please welcome the wonderful Edward Edenfall. Hello, Edward. Hi, Clara. Thank you for having me. What an introduction. Hey, look, it's, it's what you deserve. I think most times I've said your name, it's when we were doing that project earlier this year, you know, when you made your acting debut. <laughs> Hello, Edward. Well, look. I was nervous. But you know what? You smashed it. I'm sure your BAFTA is coming soon. Uh, Now, look, I appreciate your time today and we're going to get straight into it because as we know, London is a fast moving city. You're a busy man. So let's keep it. Let's get it popping. Let's keep it moving. Let's let's talk about you, South London to the world, Um, like your early life in Vauxhall. Um, What is it about um, that particular place that you think has, I don't know, like fed your creativity and makes you just love London so much? Because... Vauxhall, I feel like it's a place un- unto itself, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember we, you know, when we moved from Ghana to London, I was 13, we landed in Vauxhall, you know, in the book I talk about sort of the whole family cramped into sort of my aunt's flat, and it was fantastic. I remember just busting, I remember Vauxhall Bridge was up the road, I went to school down the road like, in Kennington at Lillian Bailey. Lillian Bailey's! Lillian Bailey School down the road from from the council estate. And I remember Brixton was down the road, the Oval, and every day was an adventure. Every day we left the house, me and my brothers, we would we were just soaking it up. We would, we felt like we were in London, we'd arrived. But you know, it was really weird, because you know, there were so many white people around as well. We'd never seen white people before. God. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> yeah, as, as we say in our language, oh, Bronnie. <laughs> oh, Bronnie. <laughs> I, I remember mean, the vibe, and then you know, I remember going down Brixton Market 
At the weekends, and if you don't remember the market, remember the, the food stalls, the Ghanaian food stalls, Barrington Lean on the on the on the speakers, Bob Marley. It was a vibe, and I remember thinking, my God, just just loving London, that part of London. Anyway, I didn't realize when I grew up that that was it was a black area. You know, my school was a black school. And we're really, really soaking up, you know, what it meant to be black and British. Yeah, because it's such it's such a it's such a specific part, isn't it? Because I remember as a child, my mum, because my mum goes to church in Vauxhall, so she, you know, the All Nations Church. (laughs) Yeah, listen, Auntie Grace is there Saturday and Sunday. But like, there is such a. I I love that you mentioned the markets because there is such a rite of passage, particularly for anybody that grew up in like South London, the 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 surrounding areas where Saturday, Sunday, were you not just getting dragged from stall to stall with your mother? To go to the market, get the cassava, get the yam, get the kenke. And I remember years later, sort of when I was, you know, in fashion, going back to Vauxhall to all the nightclubs that were there. So it was sort of a full sort of tweet. <laughs> now, let's just call a spade a spade. The the Vauxhall in your in your you know in your formative years compared to yeah. the Vauxhall now are two very, very different places. Um, very different. do you do you think for better or, or, or for worse, because I think, that, you know, with where you identify, the cross-section of you, which you identify, I can see how they serve you in both ways, but how they go against you in both ways. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember back then, you know, it was also sort of scary at the time because there was, Margaret Thatcher was in sort of, you know, she was a prime minister. There was a SAS law, so you could get stopped and searched. So we didn't really know sort of that existed in Ghana. So we had to grow up really, really fast. So that was a little bit intriguing. And Vauxhall now is so gentrified, isn't it? It's wild. I'm like, I can't believe it. I still remember Vauxhall Bridge. And, you know, the other side didn't even exist for us. We didn't know about Sloan Square and all those things. That came later. But I think it really shaped who I am in the sense that I always knew that there was a sense of belonging. Even now, when I cross the river... To Vauxhall, I feel like, oh my God, I really belong. I really belong. I'm a part of London. So that never goes away. Yeah, I think there's, even though it's had its criticism, there is something about seeing that big old uh, bus stop just like jutting out in the middle of the roundabout. It just makes you feel really good. And I really, really, really does. And I always wonder what happened to sort of my cousin Anjali and my aunt Baba, who we lived with. You know, they, I told you there were like six of us in two, two bedrooms. <laughs> And it was fun. And I used to run down the newsagents every morning and see the latest magazines. I was obsessed. Trying to, you know, soak up as much as I could about London. So, yeah, Vauxhall, really special area. I mean, when I drive down, like I said, I still have that just arrived feeling. <laughs> but I guess that I guess that's the um, one of the lovely themes of A Visible Man, isn't it? It's like you obviously I, I, I know that you're confident in who you are and your position, but there, there it seems like there's always going to be that little part of you that's just like, I've just got here. It seems. <laughs> <Another girl>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the moment this is like those pitch me moments, isn't it? Where you're like, I mean, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes I literally pinch myself and I go, oh, you know what? You have to, you have to, you know, say praises here because things could have been very different. I mean, I know I never lose that. You have to be those moments where you're really thankful. Absolutely. Like, wow, we made it out. You've you know, got to lean in. Lives, yeah. 
Um, so your glorious mother um, was a seamstress. Oh, she was amazing, yeah. What was her take on London fashion and like, the sort of British fashion that you were getting into? Because obviously she knew her life in Ghana. You started your life in Ghana. But obviously British fashion is so... It's so intrinsic, you know, I think to global fashions, global style, particularly London style. How did your mother, how did you navigate that journey with your mum getting into I that? Mean, sort of I mean, my mum was, you know, she was a really great seamstress. I mean, I always say, if you know African fashion, then you know, you know, that the headdresses to the sky, everything is cinched in other ways, shoulders out. And she really had perfected it. I think really what was great when we came to England was, sort of the eye for colour started to change. Because in Ghana, you know, you can mix the bright green and the yellow and the red. And I think in England, the colours got a little bit subdued. I think because, her, you know, all her friends sort of had working lives. They had to go to work. So, you know, I mean, the magazines were still there. Ebony was still there. Jet was still there. She didn't let those American magazines go. And I think America really influenced her as well. Mm. I think really, maybe even more than Britain in the initial stages, because in Ghana, they had access to, you know, all those sort of magazines and all those yeah. superstars. So I just really remember just, yeah, she got here and she had to simplify things a bit, but it was still there. You know, all I remember is my favourite thing were those headscarves, <laughs> literally, <laughs> three on top of each other. The higher the headscarf, the closer to God. That's what all our Gorgonians are. No, because it's God, right? That's <laughs> it. I'm very intrigued to know what she thought about um, the scene that you were coming up in. Because, you know, you came to London and, and came of age in London. It's such a pivotal time, especially for, like, London street style. You know, you've got the door, like, the kind of ending of, like, disco. You've got the incoming of house music. But you've got punk as well. Like, were you were you experimenting with that with that kind of street style? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, the minute, the minute you know, I mean, I was a nerd at, I was a nerd at school, sort of. So, you know, I had my big glasses on my ski jumpers and sort of flat front trousers. And of course, the minute I sort of hit 16, it all started out. Catherine Hamner's slogan t-shirts came out. Cycling shorts. Do you remember when we used to wear cycling shorts? Wow, yeah. okay. No, I'm not looking. Ankle boots. Every, every jean was bleached. Every jean was held together with safety pins falling apart. I remember my dad looking at me going, what is this? He's like, your jeans are ripped. I can see why. And I'm like, it's a style. But he couldn't get his head around it. Because, you know, in Ghana, even you still had to dress to go to the airport to get a plane. So when I was going to the airport in my ripped jeans, he's like, what, what, what? you look like a tramp. What are you? <laughs> yeah, I picked up a little bit of punk. I picked up a little bit of scar. I was into red groove. So, you know, those flared red groove pants too. I used mm. to love them. But my style was really, really eclectic. I mean... There was nothing that I wouldn't wear. But oh. I really used to love bleaching jeans. I remember, like, get jeans and dip it in sort of bleach and dye the bottoms and... Yeah. And I had this quiff as well. Like, you remember the Pasadena's later on? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have this kind of brill cream quiff when I was about 16. And it would change so fast, my style. But I was literally soaking in people's styles, like pop stars. And I really want to do looks. <laughs> I mean, there's still, I think maybe there's still time with the wonders of technology, baby. Anything is possible. <laughs> Anything is possible. <laughs> but I knew Kevin to kill my dad. He's like, <laughs> not into it. So, but it was so exciting that time. Just picking up from bits of punk and, you know, street style was amazing. We just tried to outdo each other. It's like, I can dress better than you. I can look more fly than you. 
I wanted Rihanna to say, you can beat me, but you can't beat the way I dress. <laughs> Listen, a lyric. A lyric, that one. Um, so where were, where were you hanging out, like, kind of observing this? Where, like, where, were, where were your teenage sort of, like, jaunts or, like, you were teenage holidays? We were in, yeah, I was in Ludbrook Grove then. We, you know, the whole family had moved to West London. We lived on Kensal Road. And I was hanging out in Portobello Road. I was hanging out in Camden Town. I was in Camden Palace, Dingwalls. I mean, and then, and then we used to further, we used to sort of venture out to the King's Road as well, to Fulham Road. Um, you know, we were really, we were really doing it. We were feeling ourselves. You know, we thought London was a, you know, we were all sort of like young models as well. So, you know, we go to castings, you know, I mean, just hang around all day, really doing nothing when I was supposed to be at college. So the King's Road was really, really great. Portobello was it. We used to hang out in the pub. Finches. Finches was amazing. And we would just try to outdo each other with our style. Portobello style was another really great place. So yeah, and then Camden will always party there somehow. And we used to take the night bus. I used to love the night bus. Okay, now this is the thing. Talk to me about night bus because this Are is a, you this is a listen. <laughs> and we also discovered heaven in Charing Cross Road. And we'll take the night bus 18 all the way to the Labrook Grove, all the way up the Harrow Road, get to Haydemy Steps, get out, run over the steps, I'll throw stones out my windows. And my sister would run down and open the doors so my parents didn't know we'd gone out. Oh, so you were a secret clubber? Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Yeah. Because my dad wanted everybody in bed, but we'd be gone. But the night bus, we would be laughing on it. The jokes on it. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> Made so many friends on it. Because the more you went out, the more people you saw on the same bus. Yeah, because you know what? That's been a recurrent theme with this podcast because I love people's night bus tales. So I swear you meet the most interesting characters. Sometimes not in the club. Yeah. It's on the way home or going to the club. The that's, where you, that's where you find your tribe, isn't it? It was on the way home you find your tribe and we would laugh and laugh. And yeah, so the night bus was a very, very big part of it. We didn't have any money, you know. So we, you always had to know what bus connected where. I remember once I saw a friend of mine the other day and we were talking about Mitch. Is it Mitchum? In South yes. London. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember going to a rave there in 1989, not having any money to come home. So we went to the bus terminal and slept on buses till the next day. I mean, that is commitment to the culture. I know. That we is commitment. And, you know, High Street King. It was fun. We just went out. Who doesn't love the gift of an amazing memory? I love making this podcast because everyone enjoys a good reminisce. And I'm being honest when I say I am thrilled to be working with Instax on this series. An Instax camera or smartphone printer is such a great gift for anybody. So easy to use with three different film sizes, mini, square or wide. And each has its own look and feel. From the colourful Mini 11 to the retro classic design of Mini 40, they are the perfect accessory for every social event in your calendar. So don't just take, give. Head to instax.co.uk to find out more. Talk to me about your kind of first clubbing experience like in London. Do you remember the first time you walked into a nightclub and you thought, you know what, this is where I belong? Because I think there is something so distinctive. I just, I think club culture is so important to young people's experiences. Yeah, I mean the first club I went to. Funny enough, I was with um, Simon Foxton, who 
was this incredible stylist who discovered me on the train to be a model. And we went to the Mud Club. And the Mud Club was um, run by a guy called Philip Salon. And I walked in there, I saw the podiums, the music. It was, it was garage at the time, remember? 80s garage. And I remember thinking, I've arrived, this is it. This is all I'm going to do in the rest of my life, going out. I was up on those podiums, strobe lights. And I, it was it, this was it, this was the life. I didn't need to do anything else. This was what I was going to do for the rest of my life, go clubbing. And of course, later we discovered sort of the wag and... And when you live in Labrador Grove, there was subterranean. But we went out as many nights as we could when we were teenagers. That's all we wanted to do. And I have a friend called Karen Bins, uh, who's a really incredible stylist. And she used to do the door at Fred's. Remember Fred's in Soho? I'm not sure if I do. Oh, so my, my, my cousins and I would rock up to Fred's. And Karen wouldn't let us in. Oh. <laughs> because we looked so young. <laughs> so young. And because we were from Lockbrook Grove, she thought we were going to go in and cause a fight. But she didn't know we were like lovers, not fighters anyway. But clubbing really shaped my sense of style, my sense of fashion, the music I love. And really a certain, you know, when people are in clubs, there's a certain sort of relaxed attitude that they have. And the dressing up, I was always upset. I spent all night just looking at what people are wearing. Well, look, at the end of the day, it seems to me like your future was always was always destined. Let's call these the research years, you know? They were, <laughs> they were, they were what led you to... Yeah. yeah, why not? Let's call it the research years. I mean, look, today you are the editor of British Vogue. I mean, it's no small deal, but you do it, um, I think, with with a lot of kindness and you do it with a lot of openness. And I and I think you you know that you've you've helped shape and change a lot of people's lives and careers with, with the position that you're in. Um, but, you know, being social hel- helps your job. So I wanted to... <laughs> I um, love going out. <laughs> so I, I, I wanted to ask you this, um, specifically with London, because again, it is one of the fashion capitals of the world. I'm not going to put you on the yeah, spot and yeah. say, what's the best party you've ever thrown or ever been to? But there are there any distinctive uh, memories of even like the past, the past two years, actually, particularly kind of as, as we as we try and get out of the pandemic, where you've had a joyous kind of, you know, going out experience or, or from a party you've put on? Yeah, I mean, the past two years, I mean, you know, we were in a pandemic, which was really kind of insane for all of us. We've never experienced anything like that before. But for me, what I mean, you know, I've thrown so many events as I started, but we threw one the other night, Forces for Change, you hosted it. That to me felt like we'd come out of the pandemic. You know, Forces for Change, for those who don't know, it's an initiative that we set up at Vogue just to really support people who are changing the world, women who are making a difference in the world, you know, standing up for others, activism, um, you know, just really people who leave their houses every day and think I'm going to do something for someone else. And we have this event, I mean, you were the host. And for me, it felt like we were back. It felt like pandemic was over. We were in a new world. We were not in the same world. We're not in the same world. That's the difference. Mm. Everyone thought we're going to go to the pandemic and come out and we'll be in the same world. No, we're in a new world now, you know. So that felt really great. But I've been to a lot of parties in my time. Yeah. I've been to a lot. <laughs> I'm not, I think, <laughs> now listen, I'm not mad at a little name drop. I feel like you've got the, the right to get away with it. Well, it's, it's not name dropping. It's just, pe- it's just people you know. So yeah. let's, 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 spill a little, let's spill a little tea. 
who, who, in your personal opinion, and you can't plead the fifth on this, throws the more exquisite parties out of two South London queens, Naomi Campbell or Kate Moss? Who throws the best parties? Oh, <laughs> oh, that's a tough one because you know they're different. Like Kate's party is pure. You just like there, beer in the hand or whatever you want. You know, listen to Bob Marley one minute, Rolling Stones the next. You know, Kate's kind of quite divorced, and then the clothes come out, and everybody's dressing up, and and Naomi, you know, is giving you like a Jamaican vibe with the Jamaican food, a fish on the table, and really throwing it down. And Naomi's party, you know, both parties, what they have in common is you never know who's gonna show up. Right. You never know the guest list. As the party's going on, the guest list is still being made. Got it, got it, got it, got oh, it. This flew into town. Mary J. Blythe just flew in. Oh, you know what? Nick Jagger's just around the corner. But this, that's, how they, that's how they roll. <laughs> so they both threw really good parties. Back in the day in New York, I'm going to tell you, they used to throw these um, Halloween parties together. Every Halloween, Kit and Naomi would throw a party. And it was the best party of the 90s in New York. Right, right, right. But they know how to do it. They know how to do it in style. Yeah, because you, you cheated on London with New York for some time. So when <laughs> you, you, were, you were a little adulterous. So when you... Uh, when, a little when you, while. Just a little while. Uh, when, you, when you were in New York, what did you miss the most about London? Oh, my God, the humour, you know, the humour, the food, the places I would go, my friends. And, um, you know, I developed sort of a great network in New York as well. But, you know, that's nothing like that london facedness. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so rude. Like, right. Who do you think you are? Right. <laughs> you know, in New York, you know, yeah, it's like people, you know, sort of love celebrity and uh, it's part of the culture. But in London, it's like, if you think you're a famous person, no one's going to speak to you at any party. Correct. Like, no, you know that. She's <laughs> like, I'm not talking no. to that person. Make no, them feel I... no. <laughs> so, so, you know, but I, yeah, I always missed yeah, my friends and the energy. In London, really. I, I love that you say that about the nature of celebrity because look, you know I'm always very direct, always very real with you. I think that's I think that's how our relationship's always been. Look, you're in a position where a lot of people will see you and be like, "Oh my God, it's oh. Edward Enninful." Da, 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 da. But there is something about a London attitude also, where it's just like, I don't give a fuck who you are. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna ignore you. Know, you. You, 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 like, don't you find it if you're on the tube and you smile at somebody for like five seconds too long, so like, what the fuck are you staring at rather than like, hey, I'm... I know. No, I need to go out and it's like, oh my god, nobody's even looking at me, nobody, nobody even wants to say hello. I'm so friendly, you know, I'm like, hello. Yeah. And then you're like, oh my god, and then as you're leaving, they're like, oh yeah, hello. But you know, everybody's so like respectful, you know, yeah, they're not in your face, they're not trying to. They're not trying to let you know because everyone feels themselves in London. I love that. <laughs> but, but that's it. It's there, there's that thing. There's almost like a mutual respect. To like, listen, I know who you are and I respect yeah. it. But if yeah. you think I'm going to come up and be like, oh my God, it's no, like, no, not really. <laughs> we don't do if that. Like I'm for, I'm going to walk up to you and rock up to you. <laughs> listen, yeah. I'm, I'm open and friendly, but I, I think for me, I think the people that I love, the people that have got the. The, the wherewithal and the guts to go beyond the snushness and be like, actually, no, you know what? Let's, let's chat. Because I think that's where the real yeah, is. No, you get the night, yeah, you get that as well, which is really, really You know? Tough. 
And they're normally so sweet, aren't they? Normally... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, so you do get on the tube. Do, yeah, does the editor of British Vogue slum it? Do you get on the tube? Are you still one of us, Edward? Do you still get the tube? I walk a lot. I walk a lot. I love walking places. Um, I don't take the tube really like I, you know, like I used to back in the day, but I walk a lot. If I can walk, I'll walk there. I'll jump in a, a black cab in a second. Um, yeah, but the tube, I don't really, I don't take it too much. Also, I, I work so close to here. Yeah. I live. But I do a lot of walking. Because, you know, I'm going to get that excess weight off. <laughs> <laughs> please, 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 please. I will jump on a bus, though. I do love a bus, a red bus, a bus. Still, yeah, to the West End. They're great for people watching buses, aren't they? I mean, I'm obsessed. I'm still watching all the time. Everyone says to me, oh, you know, you must be so, you know, jaded. I'm like, no, the minute I step out of my house, I'm just like soaking it all in. And there's so much style in London. My God. Mm. One thing I love about London is the originality. People really love to dress. And they don't need money to be able to dress, right? Yeah. It's still their car boot sale. Go get it. You know, <laughs> go to secondhand stores. Go get it. And if you have style, you don't have to spend a fortune, do you? Absolutely. And I think one of the biggest ironies and consistent ironies of, of I think, uh, of fashion and that kind of UK street style is that most people who are super wealthy will spend a lot of money trying to look like they, they didn't come from any money. But <laughs> 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 London style is so... You know when someone's from London because there's certain mm. flavour to it. You know, it's like always trying to be different. You know, in certain countries, style is sort of all looking the same. But I feel like in London, it's, like about, it's still about individuality. It's about, you know, yeah, personal style. I've always loved that. When you're out and about in London, though, just minding your business, you know, walking around with Rue, uh, the dog for people that are just oh, tuned in. With gorgeous Rue and, um, and, and lovely Ali. I mean, do people come up to you and say, hey, look, um, do you think I could be a model or are people always trying to like chuck their CVs at you in the uh, street or are you, are you, do you, are you able to nice kind of go about? Nice I mean, right, I'm so, okay. so friendly, you know, there's nobody, nobody will ever come up to me and say I was really rude to them, whatever. I'll always, you know, cause you know, I mean, I still, it's really nice. People, I'm, I'm here not just because of what I do, but because people have supported what I do. Yes. You know, it's resonated with people. People still go out and buy magazine. They still, Go to the website. So, you know, I really, I'm really grateful. So when people come, if I can, I'll give them the advice they need, like, you know, go see this agency or, you know, go check this out. So that I don't mind, you know, it, it's all, it's all good. Have you ever seen somebody else out in the outdoor world, I don't know, minding their business, reading a copy of British Vogue and been tempted to be like, you know what? Yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you do when you see a copy of your magazine out in the wild? <laughs> it's weird. You know what's, what's the weirdest place? When I go to Sainsbury's or Tesco's. Hey! Hey, because remember, when I was growing up with Auntie Grace, we'd be in the <laughs> supermarkets, we shop, and I go there, and it's, it's always a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> but when I see it, it always kind of makes me think, okay, this is Vogue. <laughs> Not the iron stores or anything. But when I, go to, when I go to Tesco's, I'm like, oh, okay, yes, we're here. Between the bread aisle and the condiments, that's where you want to be, my friend. That's where you want to be. It, but it? when people are reading it, so it always gives you a sense of, oh, and you want, you want to ask them questions about it. You know, I'm so curious, like, what do you like about it this month? What do you think of the cover? What do you think of, the, you know, I just let them enjoy. 
It's that direct market research. And my final question, final, final question. If you were in charge of London for one day, one month, one year, as mayor, general leader, what would you implement? It could be as frivolous or as serious as you like. Yeah, I'll just let them all eat cake. I love cake. I make everybody eat cake. <laughs> <laughs> just call it Marie Antoinette. Cake I love it. Day. <laughs> I'm here for it. International Cake Day. Edward. Thank you so very much. Oh, thank for you your time. for having me. Always <laughs> a pleasure. And hopefully I'll, I'll see you around Vauxhall with my mum. When I'm, when I'm around with my mum, my, the, the original Grace. Oh no, we're, we're going to go, we're going to go down to the African restaurant down the road. Yeah, man. Let's, let's be doing, let's, let's go and chop for let's sure. Let's go chop. Let's go That's let's it. enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening to The City. And if you liked it, don't forget, you can tell your mates or one better. If you visited any of the spots we talked about and have a story, let me know on socials. Remember, you can like, rate and subscribe in all the usual podcast places. See you next time.